When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Last time I checked, that game started at 7:25. That makes it a primetime football game. <laughs> Your quarterback went 30 of 37 for 299. <laughs> Yeah. You like that? Let's get it. Dude, I live for his post-game locker room speeches. They're great. It's just it's oh, yeah. it's just whether you're a Vikings fan or not, he's just really good at it. He's really yes. He is a dynamic public speaker. Yes. Mm-hmm. But not like in a, a PJ Fleck yeah, way. The, exactly what I was no. say. Like Fleck I, in fact, well, we can talk about this on Mackie and Judd today, but I went back and I was because he did the whole like, you know, everyone wanted me fired, but you you know you wanted me to beat Wisconsin. Now I'm beating Wisconsin. Temper tantrum at his post game press conference. So I was curious about what Fleck said. I thought he set the bar pretty high at his introductory press conference, right? So I went back and watched it from 2017, and he said national championships and Rose Bowls and Big Ten Wests and like none in six years he hasn't done any of those things. Um, but I just like. His public speaking is amazing, but it feels like a show. It feels like you're being put on or something. He's up there, like, speaking in all these grandiose terms or whatever. Kevin O'Connell seems so genuine, right? It just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's blowing smoke up the player's rear ends. It feels like he's a genuine human being who is connecting and dynamic, and it's, uh, it's very congruent, I guess. Yeah, he's great. Yes, and... The thing he's done really well, too, is, and I love this, he very much lets his players know what the public thinks without doing it in a toxic way. So, like, he very much talks about people didn't believe in this or that, but he doesn't do it um, in a us-against-them, which is the traditional coach thing. He does it in the, hey, I'm just putting this out here, and we did this, yeah, and it's a great, it, it's a fantastic motivational ploy without it turning toxic. Yeah. Which is really impressive. There was another, someone sent a clip out on social media yesterday. Actually, someone, I think someone sent it to us through the Score North app. It was a link to a Mike Zimmer clip from when the Bengals were on Hard Knocks like 10 years ago, whenever that was. It was during like the Chad Ochocinco days. Mm-hmm. And there was a clip of Mike Zimmer. We can't really even play it on this show because we try to keep it clean. Every other word was an F-bomb. He was lighting into his defensive line as if they weren't even human beings during, during the middle of a game. He was talking to them like they were, you know, animals or something that he was scolding. I told you guys this effing quarterback runs out of the effing pocket. What the F are you? Like he's just belittling them and calling them clowns and stuff. And you can tell they're like, okay. And that's great. Like in the middle of a game, it probably, it probably works 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but I don't know. I mean, obviously that style wore out on, on this locker room. Yes. And so let's pause. Let's we'll set the show up and because we'll, this might play into what we're going to talk about here. Uh, this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. They're pretty far down that path this year mm-hmm. at nine and two. Uh, the show is presented by our friends at TCL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Uh, also, the official 
tall boy of this nine and two season here on Purple Daily is the before I die tall boy. But that's not all Surly has to offer during this football season. Surly had, no, no, no. Surly, you know what it is? It's a great football team because a great football team has all of the elements of success. They got a great center. They got a great guard. They got positions covered, right? Well, let's start with this, okay? If we're going to equate the purple to Surly, you got to say that the furious, Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, it's the it's the go-to. It's their most famous great beer. But then you got Logic Bomb, which is probably the quarterback. And then, like Phil said, Before I Die, which represents uh, um, something that we on the show are passionate about, and that's one damn Super Bowl championship before we die. So, yes, uh, delve into the Surleys, enjoy them, and realize that much like the Purple, they are a gift because they are the complete package Surly Brewing. And, as always, show us your cans at Jay Zolgad, at Score North on Twitter. We'd love to see what Surly beverage you're drinking. Amen. Amen. So, all right, the topic today, and we'll get into some some uh, depressed Packer fan phone calls, Packer vent line on the show today. Judd will guess the PFF grades. We'll get you a playoff picture update. But let's go through some of the things that have surprised us in 2022 so far. Let's start with pleasant surprises, pleasant Viking surprises, and then we'll get into sort of the the other side of that coin before the conversation's over. Uh, I'll start because I'd love to just kick the conversation off kind of where, where we started it. I think Kevin O'Connell, everything about him, his demeanor, his dynamic locker room speeches, the way that he talks to the media in a respectful but also sometimes revealing way um, without like, you know, Mike Zimmer was revealing, but sometimes it just felt like he didn't have a plan. He was just mad and throwing players under the bus, you know, Kellen Mond or the offensive line in 2016, it feels like Kevin O'Connell is is great as a public speaker on behalf of the team. Scheming offensively, situational football. I can't think of one thing, and I'm sure there are things that could pop up, but I can't think of one area of Kevin O'Connell's coaching game where I say, ooh, he's kind of a train wreck there, other than maybe hiring Ed Donatel to run the defense and having it be 31st in the league in, in yards per play allowed. Like that's like the thing you can nitpick. Uh, but I think just in general, KOC has been one of the biggest pleasant surprises for this franchise this year. I think that's absolutely correct because we didn't know, like the the whole McVay thing is a little bit scary because it, it's always like this guy worked with Sean McVay. He knows McVay. He is McVay. And then it's like, oh no, he's really not. Uh, O'Connell has been. And what I love is what I sense also beyond the, the fact that, that he can control a crowd and co- and completely control uh, the players and locker room in a positive way is I love the fact that he strikes me as being very adaptable, which a lot of football coaches aren't. So, like, if things aren't going right, he tweaks things. Now, I, I think that's why the Dallas game surprised me so damn much because more often than not, this season when things aren't going well, He's still able to keep his calm, keep the team calm, which is probably just as important or more important, and figure it out. Um, I also think that, and, and you know, because this works, we don't discuss it. But here's a young guy who played QB and who could be incredibly brash, and he is extremely confident, and he should be. But one of the first things he did was say, I need a game management coach with me. Um, that's a big nod. I like Phil. I mean, we have talked about this and, and you in particular on the show forever. And there's a lot of guys flat out who are like, Oh no, I'm in charge of the game. And they might get some help, but they don't get enough help. Uh, I love the fact that a guy who I'm sure thinks, and he does know a lot about the game sort of nodded to, I I'm going to need help. And there is no doubt, and I don't don't know how, and we don't talk about it much, and it's certainly not discussed, but there is no doubt that I'm sure his his behind has been saved more than once by having that voice say, time out here, do this here. And O'Connell goes, there's, um, on four, fourth down, he's proven that he goes with his own gut at, at times because there have been fourth downs where guys his age who are coaching now go for it, and he won't, he'll punt. But 
just the, the minutia behind the scenes game management theory help. Um, we have learned more and more and more can win you games because it's such a between the margins thing that a lot of coaches don't really get. Yeah, and I think there's so many examples this year, whether it's the middle eight that they talk about and they've gotten, they, I think the Patriots actually outscored the Vikings in the middle eight in this, this last game on Thanksgiving. The last four minutes of the first half first four minutes of the second half. But you can point to a, at least a small handful of games toward the end of the game where great play calling and or clock management and or timeout preservation helped the Vikings score a touchdown to take the lead or to tie the game in some form. And and another thing we talk about on the show a lot is, you know, the NFL is a socialist league in that the league is set up so that every team can be as equal as possible equal payroll, like the payroll floor and the salary cap are squeezed tightly together. So every team is basically spending the same amount of money. Unlike baseball, the worst teams get access to the best college players and quarterbacks. It's just a, it's a league where it's, it's hard to be bad for more than a few years. And there's only a couple franchises that master that like the Texans and the, and the lions. And so if the talent is all kind of squeezed together and the and the point spreads are usually it's not like college football where you'll see like 50 point point spreads on a Saturday. Even the biggest mismatches are like 13 point spreads for Vegas. They're going to be a f- fairly close games. So how can you win more games and and get advantages in the margins? And it's things that you just talked about. It's end game theory. It's end of half theory. It's situational success. And he, to this point, has had just, he's put a major emphasis on that, and so it's no coincidence that they are performing at a high level in those situations. So, Kevin O'Connell as a big pleasant surprise. I'll give you one, and another obvious one too, but just how clutch Kirk Cousins has been. Um, and I know some of this started a little bit last year, and sometimes maybe the defense didn't bail him out. Get a missed kick here and there; that's going to happen, but. Let's be honest, six game-winning drives in the first 11 games of the season where he has brought this team back when usually you're kind of teeth-clenching and, oh, all right, here we go. Like This is where things spiral out of control. He has been incredibly clutch. Who would have thought six game-winning drives and fourth-quarter comebacks in 11 games, dude? I mean, that's everything we've been asking for. He went a stretch when he got here where he just had one in his first two years. I mean, 32 starts, and he had one, and he has six this year in 11 starts. So I, w- I would also think that's probably, honestly, the 1A of the biggest surprises this season. Yeah, it's also the thing that, oh, man, these 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 discussions we have about, like, the Cousins Crusaders and the Cousins Haters, and I'm I'm so fascinated by the people who have just adamantly for five years have said, like, He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and now now you're changing your tune. It's like, no, the people that were hard on him, led by us, I suppose, between 2018 and, let's say, 2020, 2021, what was the number one thing we were begging for? Rise up when your team needs you the most, when your team needs you to bail you out in the fourth quarter, when things aren't going smoothly, when... The opposing team is getting pressure on you when you're trailing by a touchdown or more in the second half. Can you can you kind of put the team on your shoulders a little bit and still push the ball down the field and stand up in the face of it? And he didn't do that really ever. Maybe once or twice per season maximum. That Broncos game we all talk about from five years ago when they were down 20 to nothing, right? He's doing that on a more regular basis. He is brushing himself off after bad interceptions and still throwing the ball 20 yards down the field to a double-covered Justin Jefferson. So he's he's getting more praise because he deserves it because he's doing things that he wasn't doing early in his Vikings career. And it's been super fun to watch. And for the most part, too, now in, in the uh, Patriots game, statistically, he was good. But, you know, it's funny because the Crusaders have always defended the statistics. And it's like the rest of us have been like, yeah, but does the team win? And then immediately we get back quarterback wins don't matter. Wins don't matter. Statistics matter. So really, this isn't the Cousins that that we have known as a Viking at all. This is a very different Cousins because for the most part, stats-wise, we're not seeing the production. We don't care because he is winning games. And, you know, they should put Kirk Cousins – 
2022 in a time capsule and bury it with a note that says, this is why quarterback wins matter. Because Kirk Cousins has had a massive impact on the wins. So like this whole thing about it's the entire team. Okay, that's cool. But sometimes it's the most important guys who have to step up. And Kirk Cousins, and in particular Jefferson, have done a marvelous job of stepping up. And I'm not going to discredit that and say, yeah, but, you know, Cousins, hold on a second. It's the entire team. The team's winning these games. Kirk has no real impact beyond um, beyond Ed Ingram. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. This year is why quarterback wins at least have to be talked about because, you know, previously the Crusaders all said, well, look at the stats, look at the stats, look at the stats. And, I, and we would say, okay, but look at the wins and look at when, to your words, Phil, he rises up or doesn't. So, like, this is a very important tutorial to me on if, forget his contract, if I have my choice of what I'm going to get from a quarterback, I'm going to take door B, which is 2022, long before I take door A, which is 2018 through 21. Yeah, and I will I will put a warning label on this for just from my perspective. I don't think you can look at, I don't think quarterback wins are really an attributable thing until you get to, like, a much bigger sample size. Otherwise, you could look at the 11 or 12 win season Mitch Trubisky had like five years ago and say, see, there's there's all sorts of factors for why the Vikings are nine and two. And you could make a strong case that this is that Kirk Cousins is less of a factor overall because he hasn't been great for three hours every Sunday. I think the game against the Patriots was probably the most complete game he has played across the board, even though there were a couple. He tried to throw a pick six in there and there was another interception but he was just relentlessly attacking down the field. But to where I agree with you is he's sort of showing you if if the 2018 through 2020-ish version of Kirk was maybe a great scripted drive and then maybe you're great in low leverage situations or games, Lions at noon or you know, you're already out to a comfortable lead or something. But when it's time in a close game or you're down by seven late to do something, he failed almost all the time that you'd rather have it be the other way that maybe you're, you're not, he's not a train wreck, you know, for three hours, but he's not playing as well as he normally would be. But when the moment calls for it, he's aggressive and he's doing all the things that that has a, that version of Kirk has more of an impact on team wins than the previous version of Kirk. That's where I agree with you. Yes, and he's also doing it with with a defense that's not great. Because we could it's it's case by case. We could mm-hmm. argue that that Keenum in in seventeen, as fun as that was, and as well as he played at times, he had a defense that could lift him too. So in this case, Kirk is literally being told in the fourth quarter, "Hey, buddy, we're trailing again. What can you do for us?" And he does it. I would have, if you had asked me before the year. Okay, Kirk is going to be the man in the fourth quarter. I would have said, well, uh, hold on a second here. Yeah, no, I j- just can't see that. But, yeah, I think when you look at the Vikings defense and what Kirk has done and, and what uh, Jefferson has done and the fact that they really don't get a boost at all from that side of the ball for the most part, that becomes an incredibly important part of the fact that why Kirk deserves a ton of credit. Yeah. All right, Jay, give us one more pleasant surprise from the season. Uh, my pleasant surprise is uh, as a whole, but there's a player in particular, the offensive line. The offensive line, we've been curious about it, why it's been so bad in pass protection. We uh, flat out said in training camp, if it doesn't improve, the whole notion that Kirk Cousins is going to be successful might be sunk. And in particular, Garrett Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury has held his own. And I was and and Phil, if you were Cousins' biggest critic, then I was Bradbury's. I, I mean, I thought he was a bust. I thought there was no way I did not see, and I said this, how Kevin O'Connell and that coaching staff could take this guy to a place that was consistently good enough to provide protection, but they have. And so he might get paid. I don't know. My guess is it, it very well might not be here, but the offensive line and Bradbury have been a pleasant surprise. And in some ways, at times with how Bradbury plays, I'm actually sort of shocked. 
because he was such a train wreck for a while. So PFF has him right now of the 40 qualified centers. They have him as the 10th highest graded center in the NFL. Uh, pass protection, which is still a little shaky from week to week. So he's actually allowed the second most pressures of any. I don't know how this works. So he's allowed the second most pressure of any centers of uh, mm-hmm. pressures of any center. But he has the 11th best pass protection grade. So I think what that tells you is he's been excellent. Even like there and Boone has broken down some of these clips on the trenches episodes where he'll he'll do something to bail out Ingram or bail out Cleveland. He'll get he'll 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 wind up, you know, touch point with one defensive lineman early in the play. And then a second later, boom, he's moving to his right, moving his hips or whatever. And he's, you know, blocking two guys on one play. Mm -hmm. So I think what this is telling you is he still gives up probably too many pressures, but he's been great across the board on the non-pressure plays. And only two of the 22 pressures he's allowed this year have been sacks. So he's he's only allowed two sacks this season, which is worth noting. So it's one thing to allow a pressure. There's right. different types of pressure. If that pressure is getting home, then Houston, we have a problem, right? Yes. Yes, and he he's playing by a guy on his right who definitely needs help. So, like, I I wonder if Ingram was was a couple steps up. I I'm curious what Bradbury's pressure rate would be then, because I think you're probably right. I think he probably has to help a lot. But previously, the last what three years or so, it was always who's going to help Bradbury? Yeah, who's going to help Garrett? And now it's like, no, you know what? He's okay. By the way, by the way, so Eddie Ingram, 49, let's see here. I know this isn't good. The rest of the line I like. 87 qualified guards this season. Yep. Ed Ingram has given up the most pressures, and it's not close. So he's given up 44 pressures. The second worst is 35, Kenyon Green from Houston. So, But they keep running him out there. He has a he has a a big ceiling and upside. I just wonder at some point. Gosh, that's all. That's that's so many pressures. Could you throw Chris Reed in there, or Austin Schlotman? He was active or last else? game. I know Chris Reed was actually active. I know. Yeah. So, um, all right, we'll we'll get to the the other side of this coin here as well. But tonight, so we're recording this on a Monday. This is our Monday Purple Daily episode from I don't know like six o'clock until sometime into the night. We're calling it an impromptu gathering to watch some Monday Night Football. We're going to hang out at Park Tavern in St. Louis Park, Judd. We are indeed. It's going to to be fun, and we are going to be in around 6 o'clock, as Phil said, in the the bar that is towards the Bullock Alley uh, on the right-hand side. So Mm -hmm. not the first bar, but bar two where we will gather. We'll talk purple. We'll talk wild. We're going to force... We're going to force uh, Phil to talk Wolves. We're going to absolutely force him to as as he talks about the 50-plus wins. Um, And if you're there, guess what? Pick up a gift card because I am holding right here a Black Friday uh, gift card, $100 gift card, and the best part, a $50 bonus gift card comes with that. And now I'm going to tell you that, yes, this offer passed on Friday. It's now down to a $25 bonus from Park Tavern, except if you mention Score North. So if you're there for Score North, you mentioned Score North. This offer actually goes through December. Must uh, buy one in person. Park Tavern, though, a great place for groups, as you will see tonight. It's a massive uh, building. It's a fantastic. It's a lot of fun. And so Park Tavern, Louisiana Avenue South, St. Louis Park. We will see you there. Let's enjoy some Surleys. Nice. Yep. Um, also, uh, our friends at Underdog are helping us have more fun during this 2022 football season, Dex. Yeah, our, our listeners are just cashing in the pick'em slips here. Uh, Alex sent me this one. <laughs> sent me this one. Your five picks for 400 bucks. Uh, Alex, show me your ways here. He took the overs on uh, Tua, overs on Patrick Mahomes, wow, over Geno Smith. Quarter, look at the quarterbacks. The quarterback passing yards over. He wrote it. Little five-item parlay for him, and he gets a nice little payday from Underdog Fantasy, which is the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. And when you join Underdog Fantasy with promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, they will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Uh, don't be like me and take an under on Steph Curry, because if you do that like I did yesterday, <laughs> what? Uh, it, it, you have to, yeah, 
Well, no, I didn't take the under on Steph Curry. Excuse me. I oh, took okay. the uh, rivals pick of plus nine Anthony Edwards points, rebounds, assists over Steph Curry. What? And that didn't work either. Actually, it was very close. It was one point off. Well, yeah. The, the only reason why it was very close is because the Warriors were in garbage time Bad. nine minutes in. Yes. And Steph Steph got a technical mocking an official from the bench in the fourth quarter because he wasn't playing anymore. Right. <laughs> so don't do that. But you can join Underdog Fantasy, the promo code score, S-K-O-R. First deposit up to one hundred bucks. Ridiculous. <laughs> Um, and then also a shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They've been helping us grow our business. They are uh, tied into several different Minnesota sports teams as well with partnerships. And uh, they measure their success at Federated for over 100 years by the success of your business. They are a great guiding hand to help you navigate the sometimes choppy waters that you can encounter as a business owner. Just go to the website, federatedinsurance.com, and find out more about how they can potentially help your business. Federated, where it's our business to protect yours. Uh, okay, I'll throw the first one in terms of things that have sort of surprised us, not pleasant surprises, unpleasant surprises. Mm-hmm. And I thought, regardless of scheme, because if you look at the first seven games from last season when Daniil Hunter was healthy, the Vikings actually, in, in about five or six key measurable areas, were one of the top 10 to 12 defenses in the league until Daniil Hunter got hurt. And then the wheels came off for the last two-thirds of the season. And so I thought, you can run a 3-4, you can run a 4-3, you can run a 46 defense that the Bears ran 30 years ago. I don't care. As long as Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith are healthy, you're going to have a good defense. Well, those guys have been healthy. And those guys among edge rushers so far this year, uh, Zadarius still leads all edge rushers, including Micah Parsons, in pressures. So Zadarius has 61 pressures. Micah Parsons, in the same number of games, 11, has seven fewer pressures. So that's the type of season Zadarius Smith has been having. Mm-hmm. And um, Daniel Hunter is tied for 10th in pressures. They've both played all 11 games. Zadarius has been banged up a little bit here and there. But they've both played in all 11 games. And yet the Vikings have the second worst defense in yards per play allowed and one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. So I am unpleasantly surprised that despite those guys being healthy and relatively productive, um, that they just haven't been better as a, as a unit defensively. Something along the way then isn't clicking and working, right? Cause like you would think, and, and, but what's weird about, about it is this, it's, there's been games where they've definitely designed things to get pressures and you can see it, and it sort of works. And then there have been games like the Patriots game where Mac Jones just sort of packs a lunch and goes back in, into the pocket and pulls out a blanket and his lunch and sits down, eats the lunch, and then delivers a pass. Um, so I'm with you. I think it's probably a multitude of, of things. I am not excusing Donatel. Uh, I think he has not done a, a great job because this team shouldn't be giving up that many yards consistently and the points per game is actually gone up or down not in a good way too but yeah i i didn't expect this defense to be great i sure as hell though didn't expect it to be i believe ahead of only the detroit lions and yeah. yards and and you know we've talked for a long time because the fact that the league uses yards offensively and defensively to sort of like say my offense is this or defense is this in my opinion is flawed but I can't get around being 31st, can you? That's my thing. It doesn't add up. And then you look at some of the other, generally, if you have a guy or two that pressures opposing quarterbacks at a higher rate, your defense is going to be at least respectable. And so some of the other guys on this list, like Micah Parsons, the Dallas defense, very respectable. Not lights out, but very respectable. Uh, Nick Bosa is on this list. He's fourth for San Francisco. That's a great defense. They just shut out uh, an opponent, the Saints, right, yesterday. Matthew Judon and uh, uh, Dietrich Wise Jr. are on this list, both in the top 15 for New England. That's the best scoring defense in the NFL going into this last week's games. Uh, Montez Sweat for Washington, another good defense. So usually if you have an edge rusher, Von Miller for Buffalo, if you have an edge rusher that gets after quarterbacks, it's automatically like you have at least a league average defense. Because that's the hardest thing to, to find. is, And the Vikings have two of them. How do you have two of those guys? <laughs> that's a, They're the only team that has it. two of them. How do you have two of those guys and your defense is a sieve like this yardage-wise? It, it's, it's either 
it's maybe it's not either or, but it's it's either a huge schematic problem led by Ed Donatel and led by Kevin O'Connell because he's the head coach, or the other players that surround them, especially on the back end with the secondary, are so bad that it somehow overtakes all the pressures that are being generated by the Vikings. Now, also in fairness, once you get past these two guys, there aren't that many other players on this team that generate pressures. Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, DJ Wanamitz. It's not like these guys are Aaron Donald-like machines. So it's kind of a two-man pressure game for the Vikings. So I I don't know. It It doesn't make sense how you have this many pressures coming from those two guys. They're both healthy, and your defense is a train wreck yardage wise. You would think that your cornerbacks are awful. And Patrick Peterson's actually, I think, been very good. Yeah. It is weird. Like, the numbers, the individual grades for players on defense don't don't track what we're seeing statistically for the entire team. Yeah. And I can't I can't explain it totally. Like, and, and the other weird thing is this, and I don't think it's just me because it's been discussed. You know, Daniil Hunter is still getting pressure, but I can't remember a year in his career beyond beyond like his first year where I haven't seen him that much. Like I just don't see him there. He would blow things up and it wasn't just sacks. He would so consistently blow things up, blow plays up. Right. And you'd be like, Oh my God, there he is again. I haven't said that. And I, I think he said seven sacks, but I have not said that much at all. It's like, it's very weird because he's got the sacks, he's got the pressures, but it's like I don't see him that that much, and I can't explain that. To him. Yeah, well, I think so. Daniil has he has seven sacks according to Pro Football Focus, but he only has four additional hits on quarterbacks, and hits are down across the board the last five years because you just can't touch a quarterback. But like Nick Bosa, for instance, has ten sacks and then sixteen additional hits of quarterbacks. So it's it looks to me like, and this this would validate the eye test that while Daniel Hunter is getting credited with pressures that move, that move the quarterback off of a spot, they aren't pressures that derail a play or put a quarterback on the ground or a strip sack or any of those things. It's like, it's a little bit more of a, of a mild pressure from Daniel Hunter this year from what the stats are telling us. I uh, like that mild pressure, mild that's pressure. That's like, a, that, that's MPs PFF. Get with it. We need, we, need, we need more major pressures. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, all right, Dex, give us another unpleasant surprise. <laughs> uh, I'll give you one. K.J. Osborne's like not emergence as a wide receiver three. Uh, as, as a legit, I should say, more of a, a legit three deep kind of, uh, kind of option. Because he is. like He is a wide receiver three. He's the third best receiver on this team. But I thought there was more here. I thought there was a little bit more in the tank. And he looks more like just a third wide receiver who can maybe you know stretch the field a little bit and and he's shown some big playability this season but I thought there was another step to his game and I think I wouldn't say last year was a fluke by any means but I do think last year is probably his peak of who he is as a wide receiver yeah this would have been the year where you got Thielen kind of banged up for the first half of the season your tight ends weren't really a huge factor in the passing game it was kind of just Justin Jefferson's show and we were waiting for someone to step in and he really hasn't so maybe maybe KJ Osborne just winds up being a good solid depth guy as like a number four receiver at some point. But yeah, I agree. I th- I thought he would after having seven hundred yards in an inferior system last year. I thought he'd be more of a factor too. He had a great training camp too. So a a year ago at this time he had thirty one catches for three hundred sixty five yards and two touchdowns. Right now through. 11 games, so it's the same amount of games. 28 receptions, 245 yards, two touchdowns. So, le- so not super far off, but less. So he kind of throttled down the last month and a half of last year. Yes, yeah. But, I mean, I, you know, in watching him in training camp, to what Declan is saying, I really thought that there was a, that there would be an emergence here where, where he would be more of a um, a 2B to Thielen's 2A. And that is not... Ha- Happened, and what's weird is if you go back and watch this, I think that there's at least two or three, if not more, of Kirk's picks that have been intended. Yeah, for KJ, Osborne. and it's not even his. It's probably not his fault. It's not KJ. It's, there's a couple of them have sailed high, and it's not. Yes, it's not KJ's fault. Yeah, but but the point is, like, if they were if they were trying to establish that that more, it definitely has not worked. Um, which I could argue is not a great thing because again, Thielen is slowing down. 
if you get the ball in KJ's hands, I think that there's more to, to offer in the uh, yak conversation. And with Thielen, he's going to make the catch. I don't think he's going to go very far with it after that. Yeah. yeah he looks very, very, very hobbled. All right, Judd, give us your unpleasant surprise. Oh, mine's... mine's uh, oh, do we have to have... Does Declan need to put the earmuffs on for this one? Very unfortunate. No, you know what? I don't even want to debate this right now. I'm just going to tell you, we were each picking an unpleasant surprise, and I'm going to give you mine. And it is it is the kicking of another of a guy who had also, much like AJ, great training camp, Greg Joseph. Um, the facts are the facts. From 49 yards and in on field goals, he's very damn good. Unfortunately... When it comes to extra points, he's missed five, which is weird because that's a 30, what, 37-yard field goal? And so that's 49 yards and in. And if it's a regular three-point attempt, he's fine. Uh, and then on 50-plus yarders, he is one for six, which is – which, you know what? If this was 1976, guys, <laughs> it would be absolutely ball. fine. It'd be he should, fine. He should he, try lining up. I mean, you were looking for solutions. Has he tried lining up straight on, like the kickers from the 60s? Yeah, Fred Cox. They just, like, swung their Rick, legs straight Rick ahead. Rick Danmeyer. Yeah, it was just like this. The leg went like this. <laughs> but um, – if if we were ever going to do a show on a, a very sick sedated show on things that were going to submarine this team in a playoff game, Ed Ingram is one for sure because like that it, that swinging gate guard could be a problem. Greg Joseph though might be my top one. You know you you trail by three. Kirk O'Chains has led this great drive from you know let's say the one to the whatever. And now it's a 55-yard Greg Joseph attempt to save the season, to prolong it, to keep it going. Um, I'm very concerned about that no. right now. Yep. Um, I'd ask Declan to jump in here, but we've already done yeah, that no. twice in the last week. Yeah, we we don't know where everyone stands yeah. on this, so we'll just yes. let Judd's commentary uh, be the commentary there. So those are your 2022 pleasant and unpleasant surprises. Actually, I'll give you another pleasant surprise. The Green Bay Packers being an absolute train wreck, <laughs> and last night I don't I don't want to tap dance on a guy's grave. Now he's got he's got a broken thumb, and now he was worried about a punctured rib potentially or lung, like a oh, rib wow. puncturing his lung, and that's why he went out of the game last night. Aaron Rodgers is uh, probably not going to play much the rest of the year. But this is Packer Vent Line, courtesy of our friends. I think on the fan in Green Bay, I'm disgusted. I think it's time that Pee Wee Herman and his whole crew go bye-bye. I mean, there are some decisions that are being made that are just ridiculously stupid. And then, what, the first three possessions by each unit in this game was a complete nightmare. Matt Matt LaFleur has has an issue. He thinks complimentary football means you compliment the other team all to death. Pee Wee Herman? Is that what, that's yeah, what we're, we're calling Herman. him? Pee Wee Herman? That is fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. I've never looked at him like that. Now I won't be able to unsee it. You won't. He does look a little like Pee Wee Herman, maybe. If you gave him like the, the super white makeup, maybe. Oh. Go, Pat, go! Um, Jair Alexander? We, is he really a Packer person? I mean, he makes all this uh, stuff where he makes a play where he pretends to crawl on the ground. What a joke he is when he gets burnt all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand this. We overpaid. So that goes right back to the GM. We overpaid for players that we thought were better. Kenny Clark didn't do anything today. Jair Alexander overpaid. The draft choice, like the gentleman just said, you draft the first-round guy and you can't even get on the field. This all goes back to the GM. I truly believe they got to change the GM, they got to change the head coach, and they got to change the defense coordinator because this is not looking good. This is going to blow, blow it up. We're going to blow it up. Is, is he a Packer person? Is what does that even person? mean? I have no I, that's what I'm. That's my is question. He is he a Packer person? person? Are you a Packer? He crawls. I mean, if we're going to start to get down on guys for no, celebrations no. that include include crawling, we're in big trouble. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, the like, what is a Packer person? I have no like idea. Brett Favre is it? Well, you you see one and you know one. Brett Favre is a Packer person. Donald Driver is a Packer person. Yep, Jordy Nelson. Oh God, Jordy, Jordy Nelson, Nelson with a star, with a with a John, gold star. Leroy Butler is John a Packer Coon. person. John Coon. Oh, 
but so, not but not Jair Alexander. I don't even Jair, think Aaron Rodgers is a Packer. That's person. what I was just going to say. I think Aaron is not a Packer person. Mm-mm. I love it. I, and if you are not a Packer person, I don't care if you're good or not. Get off, get off my team. Get off, get get off my plane. <laughs> you got to have so many things go right, and we have had about twelve million things go wrong. Offensive line, wide receiver, missing tackles. That's my point. It's not one or two things. It's a lot of things. We've had a lot of bad luck, and that's the problem with it. You know, it's not just we're not playing well. We've had everything you can imagine go against us. Oh, yeah. That's true. Missed tackles are not bad luck. They're a lack of fundamental execution. Well, is he, <laughs> but is he, is he suggesting that the season is bad luck, or is he saying, I took it to mean like everything's been bad? No, I thought it was a pretty luck. level-headed call. Okay. Oh, he said bad luck. No, he's trying to say that, like, the team sucking is bad luck. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. You're just, you, I don't think Believe you lose us, this know. many games and it just be chalked up to bad luck. You know what? The last two years of Vikings football was not bad luck. What were the preseason odds? Could you, if, if you wanted to put in a parlay, if you wanted to fade the Packers and the Rams, Playoff odds. If you said, I don't think I want to put money on the Packers and the Rams in a parlay, both missing this, the seven team NFC playoff field. I'd love to know what that pays because those, those teams are both on life support with, I think like six games left. I think they'd have to basically run the table, right? Both the Rams and the Packers. Are the Packers Probably. at eight losses now? Yeah, they. I think they're at they're at a one percent chance to two percent chance to make the playoffs. I think uh, per ESPN's FPI, they're four and eight, right? Yeah, because I I think their buy is to come, which is incredible that there's still buys going on at this point in the season. But they haven't had a buy yet. Wow, no, they haven't had their buy. <laughs> got a quarterback with a. He's got ribs poking be, through his lungs. He's got a broken God. thumb. Oh man, broken ego. Does, has Joe Barry been fired yet? Because you know what, anybody that calls up today and complains about the offense, like whatever, that fine. You're you're just complaining about something to complain about something on offense. You scored 33 points. You should win the damn football game. We gave up over 300 yards rushing, and you know what? This is Joe Barry coaching for his for basically his job. He knows it. He has to know it. He's right. He is right about that. Dude, didn't they give up a hundred, like a hundred twenty yards rushing to Jalen Hurts in the first quarter last yeah, night? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was something like that. Yes, <laughs> that is correct. How do you? And, and this is coming from a guy who, in recent years, has seen inefficient run defenses. I mean, Philadelphia every time they touched the ball, chunked off about five yards at least minimum. Yeah. Uh, where on the on the Packers bingo card was trailing the Lions in the standings going into December? Did anyone in Green Bay have that on their bingo card? Trailing I, the Lions going mm-hmm. into December in the NFC North standings. I thought this this would happen to the Packers last year, and at the start of this year, I said to on this show, I am not going to write them off now until I see it, because I don't believe it now. I, I mean, what? LaFleur won, is it three consecutive years of, of well, 13 wins? LaFleur was the coach for a team. Well, Rodgers won, won 13. The point is, they had three consecutive, I think they had 39 wins yeah. in a three year period. Yep. So people were, I mean, credit to LaFleur because he, he, you know, he came in and took advantage of a good roster in Aaron Rodgers. But I think you're kind of seeing too how much of an influence when you have Aaron Rodgers at his peak versus Aaron Rodgers, and then you yeah. take away some of his weapons, and he's not really happy anymore. A little harder to coach a team to 13 wins when you don't have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time fully bought in and healthy. And the defense and and the defense was supposed to be good. Yeah, it hasn't been. Mm. <laughs> no. So, yeah, anyways, there's a Packer vent line courtesy of our friends on uh, the fan in Green Bay. Jed, real quick, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. How much do you love football? Um, more than almost anything, Dawn before football, Stella before football, and then probably football. You love football quite a bit? Okay. I love football. I'm not sure if you love football as much as this guy loves football. Dan Campbell doesn't just like football. Dan Campbell loves football. 
by accident. Everything we talked about, we stayed the course, which you guys have done, man. And we're playing some pretty clean physical football, man. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! You know what? <laughs> when we talk, as we have on this show for years, about shelf life of coaches, when we talk about that, you play... And, and look, I get it. In the heat, the passion, the moment, Dan Campbell is probably great. But you play a Campbell clip and an O'Connell clip, and you tell me what's sustainable. Like, what's the message that you're going to continue to? At some point in time, that Campbell act is like, okay, dude, we've been down this road before. O'Connell freshens it up. He's got the, I, that, to me, is, is, is the shelf life conversation. But what is, okay, what is the, because O'Connell is fired up in his in his post gamers too. He's, you know, he's going back and forth and he's all hopped up. What is the difference? Forget about what they look like. Like Dan Campbell looks like a rockhead buffoon, right? And O'Connell looks a little more cerebral. Oh yeah. I can't even tell you why exactly, but like Dan Campbell just kind of looks, he just looks like a buffoon, right? Dan Campbell is, is like red right there. He looks like a tomato. Yeah, but that shouldn't Andy Reed looks like a tomato and he's cerebral. I guess I'm what I'm saying, saying is, what is it about Dan Campbell that makes you think there's a... I agree there's a shelf life, but... Yeah, because with Dan Campbell, I think that that you could probably say there is a definite... And he might not even totally mean this, but there is an act there. He's football guy. He's football guy. Like, if you were to... Be, like, if I was to go into a classroom and say, kids, draw football guy. They ain't drawing Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> the sketch, a sketch artist would draw Dan, a guy that looks Dan, sort of yes. like Dan Campbell. Yeah. Yes. If I if I got mugged by a guy and they took me to the police station and I sat down with the sketch person and they said, who mugged you, Judd? I'd say, draw football guy. <laughs> yes, and they'd draw Dan probably, Campbell. And they'd right. be like, wanted Dan Campbell. Kevin O'Connell, I, I mean, I just think the way, and this could change, I have no clue, but I just, I love the way right now that O'Connell, I think the O'Connell approach works. It's somewhere between being intense, but understanding. Yeah, it's in, intense, Super but, intense, intense but, but empathetic. Like he's not, yeah. Dan Campbell feels like he's out of control. Yes. A little bit. Kevin O'Connell feels like he's very much in control. Like Sean McVay feels like he's very much in control. Empathetic's a great word because I think it's something a lot of, of football people lack. And not everyone – so I think you have to have the right personality. But I'll give you the best example of the guy who had it just right, Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy had that because he had the, the respect. He was a really good speaker. Um, and he was in control. But the empathy part to me is absolutely huge because football, and I'm not surprised by this, lacks that thing badly yeah like and, and tony dungeon could beat anyone in a staring contest he hasn't he hasn't blinked since he got uh i don't know if he got let go by the colts or not but it's been about 20 years since he's blinked um let's get into judd guesses the pff grades here on purple daily where we put a longtime football observer former beat writer a guy that has covered football in many different forms for decades we put his eye test what did he see, his eye test, up against the uh, analytical grading of pro football focus? And this uh, this little game is presented by a new partner of ours here on Purple Daily, a place that my wife have gone on a couple dates in the past, Chanhassen Dinner Theater out in the Western Burbs. You know what Sports Dad is all about as the, the holiday season now is basically here? Sports Dad is all about taking care of you guys because you know what, guys? We've been there, all of us. Oh, my God, Christmas is coming. The holidays are here. What am I going to get my wife? What am I going to get my mom? What am I going to get my girlfriend? Sports Dad is here to tell you there are several options, but here's a great one. It is, yes, it it is a a gift card to the Chanhassen Dinner Theater, and it is the perfect gift idea. It lets you pick what you want to see, and there's something for everyone. I'm going to start out with a Phil Mackey favorite, a big, splashy musical on stage. Footloose, oh, the prom, dude. How about Jersey Let's Boys? Dance. Give me, I, give me all. I love of these, it, dude. I am, I'm a huge. I am a, I'm a big fan of 
the theater lifestyle. Okay, and so Chanhassen yeah, Theater Theater for me is uh, is wheelhouse material. Yes, but but I'm not done yet because there is that concert series tribute concerts with everything from cover bands from the Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, Sinatra, Patsy Cline. All right, and then the last one is so if if you're like you know what, music's not our thing. A musical would be good, but what else? I got a third one for you. The Comedy Improv Show with Stevie Ray's. It's where the crowd suggests ideas, and, and the folks on stage then respond and come up with skits. I t- another I, I, Phil I t- Mackey favorite. I took an improv class like eight I years know. ago. One of the most fun things I've ever done. It was great. It's like a 12-week thing. So, yes, go support. Chan Hassan Dinner Theater. Oh, wait. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I got one more. Okay, the show's almost over, saying, so if you could... Now you're saying, what am I going to eat? And I'm going to tell you a great steak, prime rib, the famous chicken chan. Visit chanhassendt.com, chanhassendt.com. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Your mom, your wife, your girlfriend is going to love it. There. Amazing. Now All right. Okay. All right. Now it's time for Judd to guess the PFF grades here. We're looking for the three best offensive performers in the game against the Patriots. You get uh, you get three incorrect guesses. Yep. Offensively. All right, Justin Jefferson. Sorry, I have my. Uh, oh no worries. I have my. I'm on the wrong page here because I'm in the. I'm in the studio. I don't know what the. I didn't know if I had. I didn't know. Okay, there you go. Uh, he's number one. He was okay. the number one graded player. Offensively for the Vikings, yes. All right. Um, I am going to guess. Now, I'm sure, again, as I always say, the old line factors in here. What happened to Declan? Yeah, it's, it's fine. He has right. yet to put in an order for a new camera, even though we've been talking about this for six months. You know what? We don't have a camera problem here at Score North. <laughs> we do not. We do not have a Find me problem. a link to a camera, and I will fill out the paper. <laughs> I love how this annoys Phil too. This is great. <laughs> All right, I, I'm going to guess because of how he how he finished the game. I'm going to guess Kirk Cousins because he finished very strong. He did throw for a lot of yards. He was the second highest graded player offensively oh, for the Vikings. I, that's how I have him. I have a Jefferson Cousins. Now I'm thinking offensive line, because it almost always factors in that there's one offensive lineman. Um, And there should be. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with Brian O'Neill. He was fourth. Oh! So close. Oh, I am on fire today. So close. Am Am I... Barking up the right tree? Am I in the right ballpark here, offensive line? Because uh, it wouldn't be Ingram. What's your specific question? Yeah, you're you're barking up the right tree in that you are naming offensive, offensive players. No, offensive line. Am I am I right in saying that the offensive line would, uh, would be the would be the third guy? You are incorrect. Okay. Incorrect. Okay, then I'm going to go with T.J. Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson was the sixth highest graded player offensively. Okay, so he was fine. Okay, no, no real train wrecks on offense in this game. A couple guys that were kind of meh, but no real train wrecks. Okay, Dalvin Cook did nothing um, really as far as that went, so it's not him. Um, offensive line, it's not offensive line wide receiver. Um, PFF grades are a little bit weird sometimes. So, um, Adam Thielen, he caught that. That's right. Very he good. caught nine passes. Not not a lot of yards after the catch or anything like that. Only right. sixty one yards, but he had that red zone catch and uh, did a pretty good job in other areas too. So yes, Adam Thielen was the third highest graded player for the Vikings offensively. Right. So I got it with him. Got too long. Yep. The three worst players for the Vikings in this game. And again, there was nothing. No one had a grade below a 55 out of 100. Okay. Dalvin Cook was the worst graded player. Blake Brandel or Brandel or Brandel. What are we saying? Brandel. 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 Naga. Not going to be playing tackle here anymore. He's not going to. Yeah, he's not going to. Uh, if, if things go, go right, he'll be back on the bench. We won't have to worry about it. And then Ed Ingram was the third worst graded player. Okay. Which is actually. Step up, kind of a yeah, kind of an upgrade there for him. Brando we'll got absolutely smoked on the one sack against Kirk. I I wonder if he hadn't given that 
that up what his grade would have been because I felt like otherwise it seemed like he held up. Yeah. And he certainly got help from chipping and tight ends. All right, now we need the three best defensive players for the Vikings. Okay, this was... Um, I struggled with this one. I've got three names written down, but I struggled and I'm not... I'm not very confident I'm going to get this right before I, get, I hit three buzzers. Um, Daniil Hunter? He was the, the the third worst graded player that played at least 20 snaps in this game. Okay, because it, be, it can't be Z, because Zadarius Smith, I didn't, feel, I didn't feel like had a great game. Um, all right, I'm now going to go to the secondary to make my first hopefully correct guess. Okay. Cam Bynum. Cam Bynum. He was the second worst graded player for oh, the Vikings. Oh, God. Okay. I he really missed gone. some tackles and... Those field glasses out, all good. Yeah, did you have the field goggles on backwards? No, I had the field glasses oh, out guys in play. Really they gave up a lot of yards. I, I'm going to struggle here because I I don't know who played really well. All right. Um, my, <laughs> my third... I just don't. I mean, they, they gave up for 10 yards. All right. So I've guessed two of the worst so far. So now I'm going for the three worst... Uh, and hopefully we'll get those all right, and then I'll take the victory. Um, I don't know. Uh, he's lost, Patrick, folks. He's lost. Yeah, Patrick Peterson. He was the third, third best, third best. Okay, he's back. He's back. Happy. Um, yeah, but who was that? I mean, okay, so they weren't. Harrison Phillips. Pat, Pat, Pat P um, was targeted only twice in that game. Two catches for only twenty-two yards. Well, yeah, because he had uh, he he had the Duke of Shelley off to his right. Yeah, the Duke uh, the Duke of Shelley uh, six catches, seven targets for eighty-seven yards. Yeah, you said uh, Harrison Phillips. Yes, he was All the right. fifth best. Okay. The number one graded player defensively in this game was a man who generated five pressures, had a small handful of tackles. Zadarius Smith was the oh, it was Zadarius Smith. So even when Zadarius isn't necessarily playing at his best, he's impact impacting the game in a positive way. Is what this is saying. Interesting. And then Eric Kendricks was the second highest graded. Oh player. no! Yes. Oh PFF. No. So Get out of Kendricks, here. when targeted in the passing game. Six catches in seven targets for 70 yards, 33 yards after the catch. He did have a pass breakup and some tackles, so I don't know about this one. Hmm. And then I don't like that one at all. Jordan Hicks was kind of like middle of the pack here. He was targeted five times, five catches, 98 yards, including 82 yards after the catch. So between Kendricks and Hicks, they allowed like 120 yards in yak. And 11 catches on 12 targets. Yeah. PFF, you know what? I, I don't like those two. But it's that, it's, t- it's tough to find. The linebacker. And by the way, like these guys weren't just, it wasn't just like, oh, they were the highest graded players on a group that was graded low. Zadarius Smith and Eric Hendricks both had grades over 80 out of 100 in this game. So I would be curious to know, okay, if you have a couple guys playing that well in this game, how do you give up that many yards? It was like right. eight yards per play or something absurd yeah. that they were giving up. Ed Donatel, he was the lowest graded as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> What's his PFF grade? Yeah. All right. Well, congrats to Judd for the effort here. It's a tough one. Plus, it's been, you know, you're an older guy. Like, it's been a few days since this game was played, too, and you've probably had a lot to drink since it's Thursday. A holiday week. Yeah. It was a holiday yeah. weekend. Let's just say the Surleys were flowing down the hatch the last few, okay? Um, and it, even though it's the holiday season, you can still stick to your disciplined plan. You can have fun and engage in some foods in a healthy way and, yep. and stick to your plan of losing weight or maintaining a certain weight. And that, that comes because of my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers. It's weight control. It's not a diet. It's not a fad. It is a lifestyle change. And here's the best part. It's not hard to drop the pounds. And then they they help you keep the pounds off. 40 pounds down, maintaining. And right now, save 50%. It's the best offer of the, the year. So if you're on the couch right now and you're like, you know, the holiday season is coming. Man, this is all hopeless. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not. Get off the couch and do it before January 1st. Don't be a cliche. Be proactive. 50% off. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. 
livia.com 855 go l-i-v-e-a get yourself back in the game of life by dropping those pounds livia.com boom all right dudes good show here today we're we're back after a long weekend and uh the vikings have another really good defense on the horizon against the jets so uh we'll be talking about it throughout the week don't forget to vikings vent line the most fan-friendly interactive show in all of minnesota sports on the purple daily youtube channel click subscribe if you haven't already and we will give you daily vikings conversations and sometimes therapy as needed we'll see you over on Mackie and judd our other daily show and back on purple daily tomorrow